Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to Hope Church. Um, we are, um, we're so glad that you're here today. Uh, this is a beautiful day that God's given to us. The sun is shining. Congratulations, you made it to the early service on a Sunday. Con- yeah, that's, give yourself props for that. Uh, we're so glad that you made that choice. We believe it's one of the best choices you'll make this week um, as you focus in on God and Today we're going to take the next step in our Along the Way message series, and I'm going to get into that in just a second, but I wanted to talk with you for just a minute before we dive down into the scriptures about um, what we've experienced this week as a culture. Uh, this, has been, this has been a hard week. It's been a hard week. Um, you know, I think unfortunately for us, in many ways, we've, we've become accustomed to being in a place where we are responding to a, another mass shooting. And as a people, we've, we've sort of brought it into our normal rhythm as a country. And, um, but for some reason this week, this one um, seemed to be, seems to be impacting us maybe at a, a little bit of a deeper level. And um, maybe it's not at, at more severe than any other one, but for some reason it has struck a chord, it struck a nerve um, in our hearts and in our souls. And um, I know from talking to many of you and talking to many other people, there's a sort of a heaviness that has sort of descended on us. And, and, and we're wrestling right now. We're wrestling with how to respond and God, what do we do? And, um, where do we go forward from here? And there's lots and lots of questions and, and things that are out in front of us to do. Uh, but we believe that it's best as a church collectively to come together and respond in the best way that we know how, and that is to just pray together here today as a church. And so if you're uh, looking for some hope, looking for some comfort, looking for some peace, uh, we're going to turn to the author of all of those things. Um, one of the things that I have found along the way in my life, and I know you have as well, is that when we face tragedy, when we face crisis, when we face, when we face times where it seems like, as Colin said, our world is shaking, uh, we turn to the one who cannot be shaken. Um, when you wonder how to respond, how, how in the world do I respond to something like this? When the world is shaking, the best response that you have is to give your life to what cannot be shaken. And so go and love someone. Serve someone in the name of Jesus. Pray for someone. Point your life in the direction of what cannot be shaken and it will give you what you need in order to get through the times where everything seems to be shaking around you. Um, the Apostle Paul, who we're actually walking with right now in our Acts along the way, uh, missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul, he would say in his life, he would put it like this when he wrote this, 
Therefore, since we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to turn to the one who cannot be shaken and um, we're going to ask him to do what only he can do uh, in this fallen world, bring healing and hope, um, not just for us, but for all of those who are directly involved. So would you pray with me right now? Let's pray. God, we, we come to you today with broken, broken hearts. Um, <clears throat> God, our hearts are breaking not just for the people involved, for the lives that were lost, the families, um, the first responders, the community at large. Um, God, our hearts break not just for all of those people, but our heart breaks for a nation where this just seems to happen all the time. And so, God, we come to you. We come to you because you are the creator of heaven and earth. You are the one who brings true peace and hope. We've seen it in our own lives. We've seen it in the lives of other people. We know that you're already at work here in this situation. But God, sometimes we just don't know what to do. And so God, we come to you. We come to you and we ask you to do what you do. And God, we ask you to do it again in our day. God, do it again in our day. God, there are, there are serious questions to be asked of, of our government and and of so many things, God, so many issues. But God, at the heart of it, at the heart of it, God, you're in the business of changing the, the hearts of people and, and lives. And so God, we pray, we pray that God, you would, you would bring your presence in such a powerful way that this would be looked back on as a time when revival broke out, when, when your presence was so real in the hearts and lives of people that it changed lives. God, we pray that you would bring healing and comfort in what seems like an impossible situation, God. How, how do you find peace when your child has died, God? How, how do you walk through these times? And God, we know even in this room, we have people who, are, who have been in that situation and we know that you can do it. We've seen you do it and we ask you to do it again. So God, the great healer, we reach out once again to you and we ask that you would do what you do. It's all we can do in this moment is cry out to you. We ask that you would hear our prayers, that you would bring your mercy and your love and that we would see lasting change. God, may this be the last one. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Well, um, I'm going to sit down on this stool because I can, and um, uh, <clears throat> I get to sit down while I do my job today. It's pretty awesome. 
Hey, well, we are, um, we're, we are excited that you're here today because we believe that every time that we gather, the hope of Jesus is right out in front of us. It's right out in front of us for the, for the taking, for the choosing. And if you're here today, uh, maybe you're watching online or you're out on the patio and, um, and you're just checking this thing out. You need to know this is the reason why we gather like we do every Sunday. We gather to put the hope of Jesus front and center to remind each and every one of us, including the person up here talking, of the hope of Jesus. And what we do when we gather is we realign ourselves with the hope of Jesus. Because how many of you know that it's easy for us to veer? You know, get in your car and start driving down the road, and what will your car do? It will veer. If you took your hands off the wheel and you weren't driving a Tesla, it would veer. Your, your car would veer off the road. And so it is with our lives. So it is with our lives. And so we come together to put Jesus front and center. And we've never needed him more than we need him now. And so I'm so excited that you decided to come because we're going to put Jesus out front and center. And you're going to have something to grab onto here today. So... How many of you, speaking of choices, uh, how many of you grew up in the era? Well, now, you could still buy these. You could still buy these today, I've been told. But how many of you grew up in the era where there was a kid's book series called Choose Your Own Adventure? Anybody? Anybody? You know what books I'm talking about? Some of you have. Some of you do. So if you don't know these books, <laughs> Choose Your Own Adventure. I grew up where these were like in its heyday, These were, and I had a bunch of these. And uh, it was the coolest thing, if you've never uh, read one, because you could read a story up until a certain point, and then you choose the way that the story would go. So you'd get up to, you know, usually some sort of challenge, some sort of conflict, some sort of tension in the story, and then there would be options for you. If you want the character to go do this, turn to page whatever. If you want the character to do this, turn to this other page. And there were two endings to the book. And there were even more than, you know, and each of those pathways even had some choices along the way as well. And you got to choose your own adventure. And then, and then the fun of it was you would, you would follow one through all the way to the end, and then you'd go back to the very first choice, and you'd choose the other one, right? And you'd see where that went. And how many of you in your lives wish that you had the ability to go back and choose something else, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, we could all raise our hands on that. Um, wow, goodness. Um, we, we would love to go back and, and, and make some different choices. And um, we can't. We can't do that um, right now. I don't know. Time travel may come down the road, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. But we, we can't do that. Um, but what we can do is, how many of you ever heard this phrase, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, right? The second best time to plant a tree is today. So today, we're going to have a bit of a reset. We're, we're going we're gonna to ask God to help us choose some things here today, and in this case, choose him, to, to choose his way. And we're going to be exploring this particular truth. We're going to be exploring this particular truth. You're going to see it up here on the screen. But here's our big idea of truth today, that choosing God's way instead of my way is the best way. And you're like, ah, Tim, come on. 
That's a little, you know, that's a little rhymey, you know, a little rhymey, rhymey. Yeah, it is. We want you to remember this thing today. In fact, take a picture of it with your phone, text yourself a message, and put this in there so you can remember it. But choosing God's way, not my way, is the best way. And I think it's especially important for us as a culture, right? Because there's an epidemic that's happening, especially with our youth. And here's why. We can literally pull out a device, and we have so many choices. In fact, we have more choices on this device than any era in human history. And we have so many choices on these devices, there's no way we would ever touch 0.000000001% of all of the choices that we have. And so there's a psychological impact that researchers are telling us about that when you have the ability to choose so many things, over time what it will do is overwhelm your mind. And you may not even like consciously feel it, but subconsciously in your spirit, your, your, your sense of consciousness understands that you have the ability to make all of these choices And what happens when you feel like you have too many choices to make? You know, you start to get inundated. You start to get overwhelmed. You start to get pressured. We've never had more choices to make than we do right now as a culture. And so it would make sense to go to God and have him talk to us a little bit about the ultimate choice, which is choosing him. And if we'll choose his way instead of our way, we'll find that he has our best in mind and that he will bring peace and he'll bring mercy and grace and love and joy. He'll bring all the things that we're looking for. But if we choose to go our own way, we will get swallowed in the choices and we won't make it. And so today as we go through Acts chapter 16, this is a chapter that we're in this week. We're looking at the missionary journeys of Paul. Um, If you haven't been here with us, let me just bring you up to speed quickly. So the first section of the second half of the Bible called the New Testament uh, describes the life of Jesus as he walked this earth. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are four sections of the Bible if you're not familiar with the Bible. The end of those sections uh, describes the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. The book of Acts comes next, and it is the history of the first 30 years of this group of people following Jesus we would call the church. And so if you ever want to see what it's like to to experience Jesus and then live it out, you go to the book of Acts, and you'll see lots and lots of cool things. So now we're in the section of the book of Acts where the church is sending itself out to the ends of the earth to invite other people into the love of Jesus. This is the missionary journeys of Acts. And so we're in chapter 16, and we're about ready to kick off a brand new missionary journey in chapter 16. So you picked a good week to come. We're going to jump in. And we're actually going to start right in verse, right in verse 6. We're going to be in uh, Acts 16 and verse 6. Now, before we get into that, though, What you need to know as we walk through this chapter is that as this community of people began to follow Jesus, one of the things that that began to be described of them, they they began to be described like this, as being spirit-led. So God 
is three. God has God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he left earth, when he left, he told his followers, I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's himself, it's, it's God, but I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. And when you say yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God begins to live with you. Um, and, and as you do that, you begin to be led by the Spirit of God, which means that you begin to see things a little bit differently. Um, you begin to react a little bit differently. You begin to make different choices. You now have the Spirit of God inside of you that is counseling and guiding you and showing you what is the right way. Now, one of the things that it looked, one of the ways of, of being Spirit-led is choosing to go after God. So um, Jesus would say it like this. In uh, Luke 9.23, Jesus would say it like this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you actively, daily, deny yourself. That's your will. That's your will. That, that doesn't mean like I, I deny myself things that I feel like might compromise my integrity or whatever. You would do that for sure. But there are those who would say, I'm going to deny myself food or I'm going to deny myself you know, this or that as a, some, somehow a, a, a way of pleasing God. That's not, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying deny yourself your will, put your will on that cross daily, and then follow after me. Basically, Jesus is saying, you'll choose me. This is what he's saying. So this first community of Jesus followers is going to choose Jesus. And so Paul is going to show us what it looks like to choose Jesus. All right, you ready? So here we are. Um, Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So, so in Asia, they tried to go there and tell people about Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God, who they were following, who they were listening to, said, No, I don't want you to go there. We don't know why. We don't know why. There could be a ton of reasons why. But we'll look at this verse 7. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter uh, Bithynia, the hardest part of my day, y'all, is, is saying all these names. So if you're a biblical scholar and you know the proper way to say these things, just keep it to yourself. I don't, I don't, I've, I've had enough this week. I'm not going to. But the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Again, they're like, okay, I'm going to go tell these people about Jesus. Nope, God closes the door. Okay, I'm going to go tell these people about Jesus. Nope, God closes the door. What? So look at this, verse 8. So they passed by Mycenae and they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Here's the first question that, that this story in the book of Acts is going to lead us to as far as making choices. Remember, that choosing God's way, not my way, is the best way. So here's how you do that. 
The first way is, will you choose? Here's the question you're asking yourself. Will you choose God's path over your plans? So twice, Paul and his crew tried to go and do something good. We, they, they, it wasn't like they were like, hey, let's go over here to the strip club. And God was like, nope, don't do that. No, they were trying to like do that. They were trying to follow after Jesus, right? They were, because, he, because here's the thing. If you're trying to do something like that, um, yeah, you're, you're, God's going God's gonna to try to stop you in that. And, uh, and, and you, in your own heart and mind, you know you shouldn't be doing that. And so you're going to. But this applies to where Paul was trying to go and do something that God had called him to do. Right? He's just trying to live his life following Jesus. Once, closed door. Twice, closed door. Third time, the only reason why he goes to this third place is because God gives him a vision of a guy saying, hey, would you come to this place and help us? He had, like, this wasn't on his radar screen. Paul had his plan in place, but God had a different path. Have you ever experienced a time in your life where you tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to do something and you just couldn't break through? Have you ever had a time in your life where you tried to do something you couldn't do, even something you knew you shouldn't do, and you were stopped from doing it, and you turned around and you looked to God and he showed you a different way, a better way? Um, for many of us who are in this room or watching online or out on the patio, we experienced this in our lives when we said yes to Jesus. We tried and we tried and we tried and we tried to do it our own way, make our own choices. And for most of us, we made a mess of things. It was, it was horrible. It did not work out well for us. And so God in his great love allowed us to, to be confronted with his love and invited us to choose his love. And when we did, everything changed. Now, not overnight, magically, not like the heavens parted and the storms left immediately and all of that. But over time, as we began to follow God and give ourselves to God, give our lives to him, he began to do things in our lives that we couldn't do for ourselves. He began to give us wisdom that we didn't have. He began to give us peace in our hearts that we didn't have. He began to give us joy that we were desperately looking for. We tried so many different things to try to fill that hole in our lives. And when we truly filled it with God, everything changed and we were satisfied. And not that that doesn't have to be worked out over time, you know. And challenging, you know, the enemy is constantly working at us in this way. But God wants us to choose his path, not our path, because he knows that his path is the best path. But herein lies the struggle. We don't want to. We just don't want to. Listen, 18 months ago, I had a massive heart attack. One of the things I learned as a result of that was that although I, di I, I didn't like eat like, like crazy bad, you know, all the time, um, I probably need to sharpen up some of my eating habits. And you know what? I struggled with that, and, and, and I wrestled with that, and actually I grieved. I'm not kidding you. I'm, I'm, I say this with a smile on my face, but I grieved. I went through a grieving process knowing that I wouldn't be able to eat like I ate before 
the heart attack. And you know what was at the heart of it? I just wanted to eat that stuff. I just wanted to. And, and I went through this whole thing. And, and, and at, at, at one point, at one point, and you're like, Tim, I'm not sure that you're that bright. Because why would it take that? At one point, I had to just come to a place of saying, I can actually live on the edge of a heart attack or I could just choose the better way. And I, I'm telling you right now, the, I, I've never, I, I, I eat, you would, you'd be surprised at how much the volume of food that I eat as a human being right now. I eat so much food and it's so good, I've never had more energy and been in better health I can't believe that I spent that much time choosing this like subpar thing over here when I had this better thing waiting for me and I just felt like I needed the comfort of this thing. So it is with you. God's way, not your way, is the best way. But we resist it. It's, in our, it's built, it's hardwired into our human nature. And so here's the first question in this chapter of Paul's missionary journey, will you choose God's path over your plans? I'll just leave that question with you. All right, verse 11. From Troas, then, we put out to sea and we sailed straight for... Look, look at this. What am I supposed to do with this? Samothrace. I'm just going to pronounce it like an American, you guys. Um, and the next day, we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi. I got that one. A Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. Here we go. So, so, watch this. Paul has a dream, and there's a dude standing in front of him saying, come to Macedonia and help us. Remember that. Remember, there's a dude standing there in front of him. On the Sabbath, verse 13, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. Now, at this point, here's what's happening. The river, so in a, in, in a city, if the Jewish people gathered on the Sabbath by the river, it meant that they didn't have a synagogue in the city. The reason they wouldn't have a synagogue in the city is you had to have at least 10 men in order to form an official synagogue. They didn't have 10 men in their group yet, and so they met down by the river informally outside of a synagogue. And so what this meant was that the bulk of those who were following after Jesus, or who were part of a Jewish culture in that city, were women, right? So watch this. We sat down, we began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message about Jesus as Messiah. Now listen, I'm involved in the work of Jewish evangelism around the world. When any Jewish person turns and says, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah that we've been waiting for, it's a huge deal. Huge deal. It's, it, it's, it's hundreds and even thousands of years of culture telling them that Jesus 
is a heretic, that, that, that you're a heretic if you believe in Jesus, that Jesus is not the way. And for Lydia to hear the message of Paul and put her faith in Jesus is, is, is a miracle. But here she is. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, so she went home and, and, and told her family they accepted Jesus, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. Now, you know what we call this right here? This is a Jesus juke, y'all. We call this a Jesus juke, where you bring Jesus into the thing as a way to try to get somebody to do something. So she looks over at Paul and she's like, listen, if you consider me a follower of Jesus, then you'll come stay at my house. Like, I want you to stay at my house so badly that I'll say, hey, listen, am I, am I a follower of Jesus? All right, then come and stay. Like, she's pulling out all the stops, right? Like, she wants Paul there at her house, and she persuaded us, Paul said. So here's what we know about Lydia. She was persuasive, as, as, as women tend to be. She was a dealer of purple, meaning that she was a wealthy woman. Purple linen was something that was for the rich. And so she would have been like upper end. She, she would have been, she would have had like the, you know, my, 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 my kids hate it when I, when I say stuff like this because they get embarrassed. But, but, but she was like, like, you'd look at her story and you'd be like, that's bougie right there. Like, like, this is upper end, this is like, like fine, fine, fine clothing. Um, so Lydia was a wealthy woman, she was a business owner, and she was persuasive. Now, all of that is well and good, but it wasn't who Paul was looking for, was it? Paul was looking for a dude who said, come and help us in Macedonia, so when he gets to Macedonia, not only is it not a dude, but it's, this, it's, it's, some, it's a woman he hasn't met. It's a community of women that he hasn't connected to. Now watch this. Here's the second choice that God is leading us to. Here's our question. Will we choose God's people over our preconceptions? Paul had it all figured out. I'm going to go there. I'm going to find this guy. And then we're going to get to work but it was something completely different. And how many of you know that it's something better? I don't know what it would have been like with this guy. I don't know why God gave him a dream, a vision with a guy in it, but then he had a woman waiting for him. But all that I know is that what God had waiting for him was better than what he had expected. His preconception was, I'm gonna find a guy and we're gonna get to work. God said, I actually want you to find a woman, and I want you to allow her to help you as you get going. This was revolutionary in this culture. But God's people, the people God had set aside for Paul to work with, that was better than his preconceptions of what this should be or could be. Um, in the end, what we know of Lydia is that she not only becomes a leader in the church, she becomes a discipler of people, but she also becomes a financial supporter of Paul's ministry in a big way. God leads her to, to leverage her wealth for the sake of the kingdom by supporting Paul and the other missionaries financially. It worked out so much better than Paul could have ever imagined in the end. But Paul had to choose 
God's way and not his way. All right, here we go. Let's keep going. Last section here, verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer down by the river, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Now, we would know this situation. This girl was demon-possessed. And there was an ability, a limited ability there to be able to, to somehow be able to see things that would come true. And so this girl is demon-possessed. Now, watch. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This was a straight-up uh, human trafficking situation. Um, these men took advantage of this girl, and they enslaved her for their profit. This is exactly what was happening. She, she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. The demon was mocking Paul and his, follow, and, and his companions, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. How many of y'all have ever felt like turning around to your children and being like, in the name of Jesus? I know I prayed that prayer, you know what I'm saying? All right. At that moment, the spirit, the demon left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and they said, These men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar. They're advocating customs that are unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And so watch what happened now. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods after they'd been severe, now remember, remember at this point, Paul tried to go over here, closed door. He tried to go over here, closed door. The door God led him to, he's now being beaten. And you're like, okay, Tim, that's where it falls apart. That's where your whole theory of God's way instead of my way is the best way falls apart. Because now look at Paul. He's being beaten. How many of you have ever gone down a pathway in this life, especially one that you've prayed about, that turned out wildly different, not in your favor? Um, I can tell you our family, so uh, this week, this week, we'll, we'll, we'll cross over into the month of June. In June, six years ago, my family moved across the country from Atlanta, Georgia, to Santa Cruz, California. Great move, great move. And, and, and we came here because God called me to pastor a church. I, 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 was, I, was, I accepted an offer to pastor a church, and I came. And, um, and we were stoked. Um, we, we couldn't believe that God would call us to a place like this. Not just the beauty of it all and kind of the whole culture of, of Santa Cruz, but a place that's so far from God. Less than 1% of the people in Santa Cruz County would claim belief in God and belief in Jesus, right? Our, our greater region here in the Bay Area, Monterey Bay, San Francisco Bay, our region here is regularly ranked as one of the top five most post-Christian regions in our country. Post-Christian meaning that there's no one identifies with, with God. 
The spiritual need here is so great, and we were so stoked, and we brought our family, and our, fam- and our other family and friends were like, what are you doing like that? Oh, I don't know. Not, not, not all of our family, but we had lots and lots of supporting you know, people behind us. But we had those who were, who were just kind of like, wow, why would you take your kids and go to that place, and why would you do this and that? And they, they just couldn't believe it, but we knew God was calling us. 18 months in, the church that I came to pastor, who had asked me to come and help the church do a 180, came to us and said one day, we don't want to go that direction. In fact, the words were, we just want our little country church back. And here we were. I had, I had no job. I had moved my, my family across the country. I, had, I, had, I, I moved here for a calling And all of a sudden, we were faced with devastation. We went through the hardest season our family has ever gone through, and we still feel the impact from time to time, sort of aftershocks of that. But you know what God did through that? He brought us to hope. And do you know that the first time that I sat down with Danny Bennett for coffee, and I said, hey, why don't you share with me the vision of hope? The vision he described was exactly the vision that we were trying to bring to the place where I was a pastor. And now, my family gets to live in this place. We get to to serve God in the direction of the vision he called us to with an amazing community of leaders and people, all of you. This is what Paul was going through. Beaten. Thrown in jail. Now watch this. I I, I have to go quickly on this, you guys. Uh, When he received these orders, uh, he was put in the inner cell, um, uh, fastened uh, their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas, they were praying and singing hymns to God. How many of you know that in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your messiness, in the middle of your situation where it seems like your plans have been just shot to death, How many of you know that praising God is the best thing that you can do in the middle of the storm? Remember, choosing God's way, not my way, is the best way. They chose God in the middle of the prison. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once all the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the doors open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And so the jailer called for lights, he rushed in, he fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? This man's life was over, his world had been shaken. His response was, God, help me. What do I do? He turned toward God instead of away from God. And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. The rest of the chapter goes on to tell the story of how Paul and Silas went to the jailer's house. His whole family came to know Jesus. The jailer brought them back to prison and when they found out, when the government found out that they were actually Roman um, citizens, they let them go 
And Paul and Silas were able to go back and report all of what God had done. So here's your third question. Will you choose God's presence over your problems? This is a tough one. Each person in my family has had to make decisions along the way. Will I choose God's presence over my problems? Each one of you have to make decisions. Will you choose God's presence over your problems? I'm here today to remind you that God promises that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, that he will be with us to the end, that he is Emmanuel God with us. God hasn't gone anywhere. You may be in the middle of the storm, but God hasn't left you. Your life may be falling apart. God hasn't left you. You may be going through hell because of somebody else. God hasn't left you. You may be going through hell because of your own choices. God hasn't left you. When we choose God's way instead of our way, we get the best way. This is the truth of God. Paul and Silas live this out in front of us. They chose Jesus. And in the end, here's what happened. They were rescued from the storm. They saw a demon girl be healed from demon possession. Right? They saw a community of believers strengthened in their faith. They saw a jailer and his whole family come to Jesus. They saw a woman come to Jesus and be released into ministry through her wealth and through her influence. Lydia, she was able to serve God in a different way. They saw all of these things come out of their choice to choose Jesus instead of, their own, uh, instead of themselves. And so it is for us here today. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.